2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's totally okay. It'll be on the screen. It'll be on the screen. We just love to always, I'll, I'll always read our teaching text from the physical Bible. We look at screens too often. And I'll say it again as I literally preach from one right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Every time I read that line, I get a little, whoa. Jesus, or God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Unbelievable. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us that message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might be called the righteousness of God. God, I just thank you for those words right now. My goodness. As we sang, in his freedom I am free. God, thank you. We just say, come Holy Spirit. We invite you now, open our eyes, open our ears. As we live in in a world now post-resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, We just say yes to you. Spirit of the living God, you're here. And we just just even pause for a second to just, maybe we need to take our attention off other things. Maybe we're distracted. Maybe we've got other worries or fears on our mind. Would you just hear the invitation from Jesus? Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Just let it go. There's good news for you this morning. So God, we say yes to you today. Amen. So you wake up one morning and you grab your favorite shirt. You walk over to the mirror and you start buttoning it up. But then this very, very uncomfortable reality starts to fit you. This isn't going to fit. You try to remember the last time you wore this shirt because honestly, it feels like the last time you wore it, which was not that long ago, it fit very well. And this was probably only a couple days ago. Or was this a month ago? Two months? You just kind of move past and you grab a larger shirt and you move on to your pants and then it's the same thing. What is happening? And then the reality hits you. Those late night snacks of soda and pop mixed with zero exercise and the donuts that you were having while you're on your way to the dock every day. Or was that two donuts mixed with the bag of candy you eat on your way home, matted with the two or maybe even three steaks that you have at supper that night? Maybe, just maybe, perhaps it's all catching up to you. This is all hypothetical situation, of course. So you... (laughs) Who wants to be saved? Um, So you decide then and there a change has to be made. I literally cannot stay where I am because my clothes no longer fit, and this is probably not good for my heart. I'm going to change. So that morning, you grab a few apples as you head out the door. This is going to be fine. Actually, this is going to be great. Then it's lunchtime. And you forget your lunch for that day, so you go to the independent and... 
they just put out the boxes of donuts that you know had just been soaking in boiling hot oil, waiting to reach that perfect golden brown. And it's like they knew you were coming and they got them ready for you. Before you know it, you've got an apple fritter in both hands, sprinkles all over your lap and icing on the steering wheel. What have you become? (laughs) We all have felt the tension between who we are and who we desire to be. Right? I want to be healthy and I want to be in shape, but I really love chocolate all the time. Right? Or I want to save my money, but before I know it, I've ordered 15 of those things that the ad told me I needed from Amazon. Or I want to get up early and start my day ahead without being in a rush, but I couldn't stop watching Blank Show of Choice, even though I was on episode 5 and it's 2 a.m. I just had to finish it. Right? That tension is so real, the tension between who you are currently and who you desire to be. Or as we're going to explore in this series, the tension between the old and the new. It's the same in our discipleship to Jesus, our life following Jesus, giving our lives fully to him. Right? I want to start my day in prayer. I want to start my day with God. I want to start my day inviting God into my day. But I also really love sleeping in until the very last minute. All right? Or I want to read my Bible, and I hate that it sits on my shelf unopened day after day after day. But there just always seems to be something more exciting that my, I want to do when it comes time to read my Bible. Or I want to let God have control of my money, and I want to give, but there's always something else I need, and there never seems to be anything left over. There can tend to be this massive gap between where I am currently and where I want to be. So what is that tension? Where does that tension come from? What is it? Well, really, it's a tension between two desires, right? One is a desire to stay where we are because it's safe and it's comfortable, It's home. And the other desire is a desire to change. A desire to leave what is comfortable behind, what we know behind, and what we know is not good for us in order to experience the new that we know we need. So really, this this tension comes all the way back to desire. What our hearts want. But when I say heart, I don't mean the organ pumping blood throughout your entire body. I mean the deepest part of who you are. Your soul. Your deepest desires. What makes you do the things you do? What makes you think the way you think? Your motivations, or another way we can say it, is your why. And one desire eventually wins, one way or another, right? For many of us, this tension we experience points to a very deep work God wants to do in our hearts to actually transform our desires. Dallas Willard wrote this, the greatest need you and I have, the greatest need of collective humanity is renovation of our hearts. That spiritual place within us from which outlook, choices, and actions come has been formed by a world away from God, now it must be transformed. Or as God speaks through uh, the prophet Ezekiel saying, I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. It all comes down to whether or not we desire the transforming work the Holy Spirit desires to do in us. And this right here, is where we're going over the next number of weeks. 
We're going to take a deep look at who the Holy Spirit is. Notice I did not say what the Holy Spirit is. Who? Holy Spirit is a person, in a way, for us to know. Not a force. It's not like watching Star Wars. Andrew laughed. Our series is called From Old to New, The Holy Spirit, and this is where we're headed. But here's the question for us today. is a little bit of a prologue. If that's the story we're going to read in the next little while, this morning is a prologue. It's the beginning piece. It's what we need to know before we get into the meat of the story. Here's the question for us today. If transformation is the work of the Holy Spirit, and this is the work the Holy Spirit wants to do in us, and it's actually possible, how do I actually say yes to that? Because that sounds amazing, but I don't know if I know how to say yes to that. So look at this question. We need to jump back into the Easter narrative because it's all connected. The death, burial, and especially the resurrection of Jesus sets into motion something that we are literally still living in today here on Grand Manan in 2023. Are you with me this morning? All right, we're going to jump in. I want to look specifically at the life of Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, because reality is Many, if not all of us, and I think all of us, one way or another can relate to the life of Peter. A man caught between two desires. One of the old and the movement towards the new. So just a bit bit of background um, for Peter. Peter was one of the first disciples Jesus actually invited to come and follow him. He was one of Jesus' closest friends. Peter was a fisherman. Fishing wasn't just what he did, though. It was who he was. His father was probably a fisherman. His grandfather was probably a fisherman. It probably goes even further back than we even realize. But the point is, it was all that he knew. And I want to look at his journey of letting go of the old that needed to die in order to receive the new that Jesus had on offer in three specific scenes. And the first scene is this, disruption. Disruption. One morning, Peter wakes up as he always does. He gets ready. He grabs his coffee or whatever they grab in the first century. um, And he leaves home. He begins to fish. It's just an ordinary day. There's nothing special about the way he starts out this day. But little does he know, his life is about to change with one single encounter. We read this in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brothers. They were Simon, his other name was Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were putting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me. I will make you fish for men. Notice how they respond. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Here's the question we should be asking after we read this. Why did they leave their nets so passionately? Why at once did they drop their nets? That's like someone walking down to the dock and you're barely tying up. Am I using the right dock, wharf? Wharf's wrong. Wharf's good. (laughs) Boats and ropes, right, guys? Um, But it's like you're tying up at the end of a day, and before you even get off the boat, you hear some guy come down and start saying, hey, follow me. And you leave, maybe you're even the captain of the boat, and this, this invitation to follow me was so important, you actually leave everything behind. You maybe even leave your boat running, and you jump off into the water, and you begin to follow him. Now, here's the thing. If that's what you were to do, that invitation would have to be pretty significant. Am I right? 
So why is it that significant? Because what would cause you to leave everything behind so quickly, even destroy your boat or get your boss mad at you and be out of a ton of money in order to follow this guy? Well, here's the thing. Jesus was a rabbi. In the first century, that meant teacher. And just to help us wrap our heads around why that's significant, in the first century, rabbis or teachers were a big deal. Only the very best of the best became a rabbi and only the, ve- the best of the best were able to follow a rabbi. But here's the thing. Peter was not the best of the best. If Peter was a fisherman, that means he didn't make the cut. He wasn't good enough. But this rabbi is calling his name. His name. No rabbi asks a fisherman to follow him. You can imagine Peter almost like, me? But Jesus' eyes are staring right into Peter's eyes. Follow me, and I will make you fish for men. So, of course, Peter drops everything to follow him. Jesus is offering a life of significance, and the wild thing here is Peter has no idea how significant this actually is. Peter's old way is absolutely disrupted by Jesus. Peter is suddenly right there, right in the midst of it all when Jesus is healing the sick, opening the eyes of the blind, feeding thousands of people. Peter can't even believe what he's witnessing right now. I get to be part of this. I get to follow this man. And what we read as we continue to go through the life of Peter, even when other disciples decide to leave Jesus because they just want something other than Jesus, Peter always stays right beside him. In this one encounter I love the most, we read this in John chapter 6. Jesus says, you do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asks the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know you are the Holy One of God. You hear the devotion in him, right? And so day after day, Peter is discovering a life he never thought he'd live. Following Jesus. And here's the thing, as we read in in John chapter 6, he's not just a rabbi. He's more than that. I have come to believe and know you are the Holy One of God. You have something I haven't found anywhere else And there's a moment where Jesus, right before Jesus is arrested, and he's telling his disciples what's about to take place. And Peter replied, catch the passion here. Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. That is not what you want to hear from Jesus. But listen to Peter. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Scene two, turning back. Later that night, Jesus is arrested and he's carried into the courts, but Peter follows from a distance. And it says this, And when some, uh, some there were kindling a fire in the middle of the courtyard, had sat down together, Peter sat with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are with one of them. And Peter got even more angsty. Man, I am not. After an hour later, another asserted, 
Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned, speaking of Jesus, and looked straight at Peter. (laughs) Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Peter turned back. He did the very thing he swore he would never do. Even, after, even if I have to die with you, he had said, I will never disown you. Now, hours later, he is literally screaming, I do not know the man. The tension between who he is currently and who he desires to be hits him like a freight train. And the desire to turn back wins. Jesus had literally taken Peter from a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee to following the Messiah, the promised one from God who, had set the, who was going to set the entire world right. And then when it started to cost Peter something, when it got hard, when it meant Peter had to grow and give more of himself, when the temptation to retreat back into comfort came on so strong, he runs away. Betraying the one who had saved him. Afraid and angry. Turning back. Asking just like you sitting with glazed hands from the donuts and sprinkles all over your lap. Who have I become? We all hit moments like this. We all hit moments like this. The desire for a new way grips us, right? And we start following. But then the old begins to just pull us right back in. Or it's the beginning of a diet, right? We start feeling lighter after a day or two. The, it's, it's not maybe the best tasting food, but we just start to feel lighter. We feel better. You know, lettuce used to not taste that great, but now, you know what? I really like lettuce. It's going pretty good. But then you keep walking by those Reese peanut butter cups because they put them right in front of the door when you go into the independent. Like, can't you hide them somewhere else? Don't you know I'm trying to stop? Hypothetical situation. <laughs> Oh, and then the tension becomes very real, doesn't it? Before you know it, you're, bro- you're walking to the register with treats in hand. You turn back. Or maybe you're three or four days sober. You know, it's the longest you've ever gone. And then you walk right by that aisle. Do I keep going in the new way that I started, or will I fall right back into the old? The tension becomes very real in that moment, doesn't it? And before you know it, you're racing home as fast as you can with a brown paper bag. You just feel dead inside. (sighs) I didn't have what it takes. Or I haven't gone to that website in a few weeks. This is the most victory I've ever experienced, but my spouse is out tonight, and I'm alone for a few hours. Soon enough, it's almost like that computer's calling your name, and before you know it, the computer's on, and you're exactly where you did not want to be. With the same pit in your stomach, what have I become? Or maybe that person keeps messaging you and you know you shouldn't respond because you know exactly what's going to happen when you do, but before you know it, it's, hey, how's it going? We haven't talked in a while. The tension between who you are currently and who you desire to be. Desire pulling us in two different directions, and we can't stand it. 
What we find here in this moment is that willpower isn't good enough, is it? Right? Distracting ourselves isn't good enough. We don't know what to do. What, is this just the life that I'm going to live? Paul says this in Romans chapter 7. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Paul, that's really confusing. But I know exactly what you're saying there, strangely. Right? The way I want to be, I so often fail to be. And the very thing I hate, I end up doing. Or like what Paul said, I do not understand what I do. So the question pops up here in this tension, will I always live like this? Is this just my life? The desire to be better, to be good, but never actually being who I want to be. This disruption right here is what all of us need. This moment right here is actually a moment of truth and it's a moment of freedom if we allow it to be. Because as Dallas Willard wrote, the greatest need you and I have, the greatest need of collective humanity is renovation of our hearts. Isaiah spoke or wrote speaking of the very work Jesus was coming to do. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the, right, in the wasteland. This right here is the very transformation the Holy Spirit wants to do in you and in me. But we have to leave our old behind. We have to leave our old way. Not just ignore it. Not just put it in a drawer somewhere so that we can peek at it every once in a while and wonder maybe if I, just, if I could just flirt with this a little bit, maybe it'll feel good. We need to bury that thing six feet under says in Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Not just a few things. Not just the things we don't like. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I just picture like somebody trying to run through the brush with like vines and branches slowing them down. You can't get through the woods. Because then he says next, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. There is nothing casual about what Paul is talking about right here. Everything that hinders. This is why we so often pray in our gatherings, come have your way in us. We are saying and we are praying out loud, Jesus, we are going to fix our eyes on you and we are going to let go of what is not of you so that we can want what you want. Come have your way in us is to say, I'm leaving the old behind. When you're on a diet, there's a reason you don't go near the treat aisle or you shouldn't be. Because you're literally putting a desire to death. So to walk by the treat aisle is to actually reawaken that desire and you're trying to kill the very thing that's actually bringing you down. You need the desire for the diet to be more than the desire to eat the treat. Right? Sorry, I lost my place. It was the same with any other desire or temptation though, right? If, you, if you're struggling with lust or looking at pornography online, you don't go and watch a show or movie filled with nudity and sex scenes. Why? Because you're trying to kill that desire. So if you're struggling with that and then you're watching, like, let's just be honest, if you're watching Game of Thrones, I'm sorry, the outcome's not going to be very good for you. Right? If you're trying to put one desire to bed and to bury it down into the ground, 
You don't go reawaken it with something else, right? Or if you're giving up drinking or you're trying to stop drinking, you don't go browsing through the last few aisles at the independent. Why? Because you're just going to start reawakening that desire by seeing it. In his letter to to the church, Peter wrote this, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires. Get what he says this, which wage war against your soul. Isn't that true? Isn't that so true? The new has come. In Christ, the new has come. We no longer have to feed the old. Let's go back to our teaching text for a second. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. It's very black and white. The old is gone and the new is here. All this from God who reconciled us to himself. This is why Jesus went to the cross. This is why we celebrate Easter last weekend. Jesus died and rose from the grave forever, putting to death the power that keeps us slaves to old desires. In Christ, we are no longer slaves to the desires, as Peter said, wage war against our soul. Let the power of those words hit you this morning. The old is gone and the new has come. If I could be honest for a second, I don't think many of us live as though we know this is true. Do we live as if the old is gone and the new has come? Or is there some strange marriage between the two where we don't have to go back to the website, where we don't have to grab another bottle, where we don't have to spend in order to feel a sense of joy? 2 Corinthians 3 says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Many of you could probably quote this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Not half freedom, not some kind of detention, not some kind of like probationary period. Freedom. In the Greek, it means freedom. As in real freedom. Freedom. Hard stop. Here's the question. Do you feel free today? Do you feel free today? We were literally talking about it this week at Lighthouse Youth. It was incredible. So amazing. Let me tell you. The last few weeks, especially of doing Youth Alpha, let me, you want to go see some hungry kids in the room, come out to Lighthouse Youth. To see these kids hungry for the presence of God and responding and asking, yeah, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To come together as a community that in a school who needs Jesus and to say, hey, we've got to be in this together. We were talking about it this week. It was incredible. Do you know that loneliness and despair does not have to be your story? Do you you actually know that? Loneliness and despair does not have to be your story. Do you know that addictions, like an addiction to pornography or to a pill or to a bottle or to a powder, That does not have to be your story. We get sucked into the lie that we're stuck. We get sucked into the lie that this is just my life now. But the blood of Jesus speaks a better word over you. Jesus says in John 8, So if the Son sets you what? Free. You are free indeed. Jesus speaks freedom over you. But we have to respond to that freedom. We have to take that seriously. We have to 
freely choose him. He's not going to make us. That's not love. If Jesse forced me to marry her, that's not love. It's love because I chose freely. I choose you over any other option. We have to choose Jesus. Peter later wrote in his, in his letter, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, excuse me, you have been healed for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Peter has a way with words. Or as we love to say here at Lighthouse Church, are we walking near our shepherd? This holds far more weight when you know Peter's story. He's not just writing about a theory. He's writing from personal experience. The man that gave everything to follow Jesus, dropped his nets instantly to follow Jesus, and then abandons him, screaming in anger, I don't know him. Peter knows what it feels like to have failures right in front of your face. But Jesus taking you in anyway, taking those failures, nailing them to the cross, dying a death we couldn't, and healing the most broken parts of who we are, our hearts. Final scene from old to new, scene three. After Jesus is raised from the dead, he appears to his disciples a number of times, but, but Peter is lost once again. He doesn't know what to do. Jesus is alive exactly as he promised, but Peter is still clinging on to the old self, the scared self, the insecure self, the failed self, the I abandoned Jesus self. And we read in John chapter 21 that Peter just goes back to fishing. He literally says to the disciples, let's just go fishing. He remains enslaved to the old desire to just go run and hide, to just go back to what he has always known, to live in complacency, to live in comfort, ignoring everything Jesus has actually invited him into. But one day as Jesus and the disciples are fishing, Jesus appears to them again. But they didn't realize it was him at first. And we read this. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's a great way to refer to yourself, right? John, the apostle, the one whom Jesus loved. It's a little cocky. You can laugh. It was a joke. Said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, watch what he does. He wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. I wonder what was going through his head in this moment. Will Jesus even want to talk to me? <laughs> Will Jesus even want to be around me? But even in the midst of all of those doubts and thoughts that might be plaguing his head, while he's still in the boat, Peter jumps into the water. He can't even wait until he gets to the shore. In his shame, in his failure, in his fear, what does he do instead? He abandons the boat. He abandons his default. He abandons complacency. And he says, I don't care how far away I am from the boat. I don't care how wet I get. I need to get to Jesus. Even if he says, Peter, get away from me, man. I don't want anything to do with you. He risked all of that and said, but Jesus, I need you. And we read on, it says this, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What's Jesus asking here? Do you love me more than the, than the disciples? More than fishing? The answer is yes. Jesus is asking Peter right here, face to face, 
and his failures and his shame, do you love me more than the old desires you always go back to? Do you love me more than the website you keep going back to when your spouse leaves home? Do you love me more than the anger you hold on to because it makes you feel powerful? Do you love me more than the bottles and the pills that you just can't get away from? Do you love me more? Now we come back to the very beginning because it always comes back to desire. What our hearts want. The deepest parts of who we are. Our why. What makes us us? Jesus asked, do you love me more? Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But that's not enough. Jesus asks him this three times. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. It's beautiful, isn't it? The Greek word here for love is philio. It's a deep friendship and it's a companion love. It's, it's intimate and it's close. It's, it's not sexual, but it's the deepest love you could imagine between a friend or a family. Peter, do you filio me? Peter, am I that close to you? Even as I'm reading that, it's just it's warmth. Closeness, it's intimacy. Am I that close to you, Peter? Is the deep love and affection for me stronger than the dead life you want to hold on to? I'm going to invite Michelle to come up. Do you love me more? Jesus has never stopped asking that question. Jesus has never stopped asking that question. One could actually say this is the question. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the old desires you cannot walk away from? Listen, whether you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years or honestly this morning you're hearing the name of Jesus for the very first time, Jesus is asking you this question. The reality is he actually never stops asking you this question. We all have something to let go of. We, we never actually stop letting go. <laughs> we actually never stop denying ourselves. What does Jesus say? If you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. I think one disservice we did in the church, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a byproduct of it myself. I'm not, it's an insider's critique, maybe. So we made salvation just this one-time thing. You know, salvation was a get-out-of-hell-free card. But it's actually the first step in a journey. It's a first step in a journey of discovering what real life is. We make this mistake that I died to myself a long time ago and I've never had to... Actually, we always keep dying. Romans 12 said, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
in view of God's mercy, we give ourselves. See, take me. Before there can be new life, there always has to be a death of the old. As we keep reading, we'll see that Peter goes from a scared, angry, insecure man to someone who is absolutely unrecognizable. Transformed, not by his ability to be awesome, not his ability to get everything right, not his ability to to, to figure out all the right situations. Transformed by the work the Holy Spirit wants to do in him. But before that, Jesus gives Peter the exact same invitation he gave him three years prior on the Sea of Galilee. As he was in his boat, just like he is right now, Jesus simply says to Peter, follow me. Simple response today. How do we let the old die in order to walk into the new Jesus is offering? You just need to respond. Because Jesus is asking every single one of us in this room, follow me. Let the old go so that you can walk in the new I am offering. To leave everything and give everything up. What is it, Hebrews? Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So what? We can follow Jesus. The one who offers life. The one who offers peace and joy and mercy and grace and love never ending. Here's the question. We asked it last week. Do you want to live? Do you actually want to live? Do you feel free this morning? Or are there things popping up into your mind even as I'm talking that you're like, I'm not free. I've got this and I've got this and I've got this. And maybe for you this morning, you're actually scared to leave the church building today. Man, John, if I leave, I don't know what I'm going to get into. Let go of the thing that's literally killing your soul. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's drinking. Maybe it's shopping. Maybe it's something like pornography or some sort of lust habit. Maybe it's a friendship or a relationship you just know is leading you to dead places. Jesus is inviting you to let go of it. Jesus destroyed the power that keeps you bound to that old desire. Jesus literally died so that you could be free. If freedom is available, do you want it? Put the old to death. Right now. Not tomorrow. Not later tonight. Not when I'm by myself. Listen. Some of the most transformational moments of my life, not all of them, but most of them were in situations exactly like this. Some guy on a stage preaching says something and it's just like, oh, (laughs) do you know me? (laughs) Do you know my life? Do you know what happened to me yesterday? Because you just spoke to it. Don't go home. If the Lord's showing you something, if you just feel like a pit in your stomach, don't, don't just leave. Listen, Maybe for you, you've never heard any of this before. And you're feeling a mix of emotions right now. You're feeling excited and terrified all at the same time. 
It makes you shake, but it also makes you cry and joy all at the same time. Listen, it's terrifying because letting go is hard. Jesus doesn't hide from that. Letting go, this is the death part of following Jesus, is letting go. It's not easy. It's not fun. It's not skipping through fields of rainbows and butterflies. It's hard. It's really hard. But you also have tears of joy because it's literally what your soul is aching for. It's like terrifying you, but it's like, but I know I need it. Because your deepest desire is to have God come and save you. The part of you that's afraid is not your deepest desire. It feels like maybe it is because it feels very real, but that's not actually your deepest desire. That's the part of you that needs to die so that Jesus can give you life. As we start this series, as we do a deep dive into the continuing life-changing work of the Holy Spirit, the work he desires to do in us, we don't have to convince him. This is what he wants to do. This morning's an invitation to a life. It's an invitation into a journey. Not just a one-time event that you need to ever, never, ever go back to. But actually an invitation to a life where you actually believe that transformation is possible. Not just good behaviors, but actually a transformed self.